Hello, everybody, and um, happy Sunday. If you're hearing this on the Sunday, this is our second episode of the uh, second season. So we're having the two twos today, and we are officially in Mercury retrograde. If you haven't noticed it, um, lucky you, but um, we are in Mercury retrograde. So we had quite an interesting week with quite a lot of things happening, the war in Ukraine, eh, the reversal, hopefully, what's happening with um, eh, the Queen Souls and the new king. There's a lot of discussion about that. We'll try to cover some of this, but the most important thing for me is to uh, talk to you about the Mercury retrograde, because as you remember, lately the Mercury retrogrades have been way, way more intense than normal. And of course, the Queen's death was happening during the shadow, but she was smart enough to get to die one day before the stationary. I think that maybe dying during Mercury stationary, especially because Mercury is the psychopampus, it's the uh, spirit, I mean, it's the guide that leads the souls across the river of death. So she chose to leave when uh, Mercury was going direct and not stationary because, I don't know, maybe stationary means that he's not working and then her soul can get trapped here or something. But anyway, she left the day before Mercury went direct and she did it in Libra. We'll talk about her chart of death and the chart of her birth. Uh, those two charts are kind of important. It's the exit and the entrance into our lives. So uh, we'll talk about that and the choice that she had of when to die. Before that, though, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the Mercury retrograde and to put it into some form of perspective and also with the dates to know when to do what and what to avoid. So generally, as you all know, we have to pay attention to Mercury retrograde in the sense of not signing any documents, not starting big projects if possible, um, to try to be more aware of how you manage time, how you manage space and time, and to be mindful. Mindful would mean that if you have a lot of appointments, to make sure that there is space between them, just in case you're late, in case they're late, you might be totally online with Mercury Retrograde, taking all the time you need to get to places and so forth, but other people might not. They might not even know that it's Mercury Retrograde. They just think they're awfully confused. So, it's important for us to be twice as vigilant so we can actually spread some of that awareness towards other people. So Mercury is retrograde, September 9 until October 3rd. The reason why I put September 9 already, even though he wasn't retrograde on September 9, is because uh, I just wanted to make sure that you are paying attention to the stationary period. So always we have 12 days a year in which Mercury is stationary. I call them the 12 sleepy apostles. You know, it's two days before the retrograde, two days after the retrograde. And basically it represents the time where Mercury goes, uh, stops the car in order to go from a direct or number or the first two, three gears to reverse. You know, the old uh, shift times, even today with the automatic cars, you have to stop before you go reverse. Or if you're reversed, you have to stop before you go direct. Kind of makes sense. So that uh, basically is what's happening to Mercury when he's stationary. He's uh, at that moment changing gears. So the car or Mercury is basically stationary. It's standing there. It's not doing anything. So September 9 and 10. Uh, 10 was interesting because it was the uh, 
Harvest full moon. So it's interesting. We had the full moon happening right on the stationary. It means that a lot of the things that we harvested in the last few days will stay with us for a long time. Maybe they will be conserved very, very well, like they used to put the grain in jars. So that was our harvest full moon. We're looking forward to the next uh, lunation, which is going to be the new moon. Uh, and that's going to be the new moon in Libra, which happens to be the Jewish New Year, uh, Rosh Hashanah. And that's also, if you remember from past uh, episodes, and we'll talk about it definitely next week, that the New Year, the the Jewish New Year, is actually the mythological birthday of Adam and Eve, hence the mythological birthday of humanity. So you are all whatever sign you are, but mythologically speaking, according to the Bible, which is basically cover, I mean, the Bible is worshipped or followed by Muslims, by Christians, so by Jews. So we're talking about billions of people that believe in those stories. Uh, we are born as a, as a species, you can say, according to, again, the mythology of Genesis on the new moon in Libra. So we'll talk about it much more. Uh, this year, like I mentioned last week, eh, we're going to have the Rosh Hashanah, the, the Jewish New Year, which is the mythological birthday of Adam and Eve on a Mercury retrograde. And we're going to start the civil year, uh, January 1st, on a Mercury retrograde and a Mars retrograde. And we're going to end 2023 in a Mercury retrograde. So definitely retrogrades are going to be in the spotlight for the next year and a half, two years. So it's important to pay attention. And to be honest, 2024 is also going to start uh, with uh, Mercury retrograde. So we're kind of in retrograde mode for a while now. Maybe that's why people are looking back to make America great again or to go back to the 50s or go back to the Soviet Empire or go back to the Ottoman Empire or to the Messianic idea of in Israel of going back to the biblical time. All that nonsense. Maybe there is just general retrograde uh, influence right now. But going back to our current retrograde, it's going to be stationary. It was stationary September 9 and 10. And today we are starting the retrograde period, which is going to be in Libra. So Mercury in Libra is actually, it's easy for Mercury to be in Libra. Mercury, remember, has these little wings either in the hat or in his um, ankles. Ankles are related to Aquarius, so it makes more sense that he has it there, even though the wings here could be related to his nervous system, which is, again, ruled by Gemini. But uh, he likes to be in Libra, so it's not going to be any issues with that. It means that the Mercury retrograde is a little bit easier to handle because Libra is a cardinal air sign, it initiates communication. Mercury, even if it's retrograde, is taking that communication, either reversing it or trying to bring it to the core. The core could be the real essence of the communication or even what echoes from past lives this specific communication might have. So we're talking about September 11 to 23rd from today until basically the new moon. So again, it's kind of interesting that we had the stationary on the full moon the harvest full moon. Then we're going to have Mercury retrograde in Libra right until about the new moon, uh, two days before the new moon. It's going to be retrograding in Libra. So again, we have, what is it, almost two weeks where Mercury is in the sign of justice, uh, relationship, partnership, equality, reciprocal, reciprocal, uh, um, anything that has to do with equilibrium, trying to balance things. So again, Mercury retrograde is not a bad thing. If you tried again and again and again to do something 
during Mercury going direct because that's what we're told to do things when Mercury goes direct and it doesn't work definitely try doing it when Mercury is retrograde I mean a you have nothing to lose so it's logical to do it B maybe you need the undoing of Mercury maybe Mercury maybe you're too involved in the project and you're too attached to it to the point that you're actually blocking it and maybe if Mercury is retrograde it can unravel the knot and allow you to go forward. So again, I'm not saying that in Mercury retrograde you can't do anything and you should just basically uh, quit everything. I think you should in stationaries, yeah. So September 1st, uh, October 1st and 2nd, which is actually the time I'm going to fly to New York, but you know. Uh, and then September 9 and 10 also, yes, it could be a little bit more difficult and therefore it's better not to do too much. But in retrograde, you can actually use those uh, three times a year, four times a year when we have three weeks of Mercury retrograde to find lost object, to uh, discover t- uh, new talents or hidden aspects of your body, your soul, your your gifts. Uh, it's a great time to go back into past lives. So memories from past lives, meeting people that you might have known in past lifetime, visiting places that you lived in past lives. So if I go to New York right on October 1st and 2nd, I might have lived there in past lifetimes, if that makes sense. And I didn't plan it like that. I didn't like, look, okay, I want to be sure that I reincarnated in the past in uh, New York, so I'm going to fly there during Mercury retrograde. No, but if you suspected that you have some connection to a a city and you can never understand it, or you had a connection with a certain city, it might not be a bad idea to go there during Mercury retrograde because then the nature of that connection and the feeling of familiarity might be explained. Or, for example, you have uh, a friend that you're very, very connected to and you're always confused about whether we were together in the past or not. Most likely you were because good friends don't just show out of nothing. It have to be developed over you know, many lifetimes. So it's going to be interesting to do something together during Mercury retrograde to try to see the synchronicities and coincidences that might explain the nature of our relationship from the past. Why I'm talking so much about relationship? Because Libra is the sign of relationship. And when Mercury retrograde in Libra, it can bring up issues that have to do with justice, It can bring up issues that have to do with relationship, partnership, design, colors, art, uh, how you deal with space, how you occupy the space, how the space occupies you. Everything has to do also with balance. What do I need to do in my life to be more balanced? So again, Mercury retrograde can undo whatever is keeping the scales of Ma'at, the scales of the universal justice from being equal. So Again, there could be more misunderstanding, more miscommunication with partners, relationships, uh, also in connection to justice, fairness, partners in work, partners in life, significant others, until the 23rd of September. And then from the 23rd of September until the 30th of September, Mercury is going to be retrograde in Virgo. Now, Mercury retrograde in Virgo, even though Virgo is an Earth sign and Mercury likes to fly, remember Mercury is also the ruler of Gemini, When he's in Virgo, he's considered to be exalted. Remember, we talked about the idea of exaltation here, that certain planets feel the best in certain signs, the same way that certain plants feel the best in certain locations on the world or in certain uh, climate or in certain earth conditions. So Mercury in Virgo is exalted, meaning that he's getting the pure flow of energy. So again, it's going to really help us from from, uh, September 23rd to the 30th to deal with Mercury retrograde. And when he is retrograde in Virgo, there could be misunderstanding and miscommunication around things that have to do with your health, your diet, your routine, your schedule, 
how you serve other people, employees, how people serve you so you can serve other people. So from the, th the 23rd until the 30th, we have one week where, where Mercury is going to be retrograde in Virgo. And that's going to be kind of interesting overall because we're going to have the, 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 the Jewish New Year happening around that time, the 25th and the date of birth of um, uh, Adam and Eve. And it's almost symbolic that Adam and Eve might have some misunderstanding and miscommunication, again, around work, who is doing what in the house, who is going to throw away the garbage out, uh, you know, things that have to do with um, service, how we serve each other. So again, Mercury retrograde in Virgo, while the sun is in Libra, which has to do with relationship and partnership, continues the idea of having to fix or change or reconnect to past relationships, especially if these relationships have to do with work, uh, because Virgo is all about work. So we're shifting the energy from maybe Mercury retrograding issues of personal life from the 11th until the 23rd of September to more professional life the 23rd to the 30th of September. Then the 1st and 2nd of October, Mercury is stationary. Again, you can get stuck in certain things that happen around that day. Um, so just take it a little bit more easy. I think it's going to be a Friday, no, a Saturday and a Sunday. So it's kind of a um, weekend. Um, it's easier to take things a little bit more cool around that time. And then on um, the day after, the 3rd of October, Mercury goes direct, no problem. The only thing is, remember we talked about shadows and we're coming out of the shadow on the 17th of October. So until the 17th of October, yes, from the 1st of October to the 3rd of October to the 17th of October, yes, you can sign documents, you can do things, but you just have to be aware that because we're in the shadow, it's harder to see right? There's less light in a way. There's less movement. So now this is um, the chart of uh, Queen Elizabeth's death. It was, I know that some people send me some messages about how uh, there is a lady that is uh, gossiping a lot. So I don't know if she's going to be the right one to follow that she says the death was at 237 or something like that, that it took them time to tell the official time, whatever. I mean, I'm going to go with the official time. Uh, because if you think about it, Queen Elizabeth II, I mean, of course, she had a character and she had a very tenacious uh, personality and, and very full of humor, apparently highly intelligent. But when a minute she wore the crown, she became a symbol. And therefore, if the official time is 4.30 for that symbol to ascend up to the heavens and leave us, that's the right time because that's the official time that people declared her death. Maybe it happened a little bit before and the family wanted to have some intimate time before they get all the, you know, text and phone calls or whatever. But what we know, and I'm not going to rely too much on the time, is that she definitely uh, left when Saturn and the moon were conjunct on top of Vesta, which is kind of interesting because... Saturn is the planet of karma. It is the planet of um, everything that has to do with a tradition. And she was born a Capricorn rising, which means that Saturn is her ruler. So the ruler of her chart moved into Aquarius, which is actually interesting because it appears in her natal chart in the first house, the house of me, myself. She was very Saturnian in a, sec in a sense. Moved on top of the moon, which is home and family. So it's kind of interesting. Saturn is on top of the moon, which is, again, related to the energy of home, family, in her case, the kingdom. 
And on top of Vesta. Vesta is an asteroid that is associated with tradition, keeping the, fu- keeping the flame. In her case, it's 70 years of keeping the monarchy, even in times like the 70s and 80s, that there was a lot of question whether it is necessary or not. You know, now we know that 62% of, um, in June, they did this uh, gallop, and 62% of British people want to keep the monarchy. And I'm sure it's going to grow now a little bit because of her death, and people are realizing how hard it is without her, because people might have taken, like we always do, things for granted. And after 70 years, yes, you do take things for granted. So I think that there is going to be a little bit of a shock But, of course, King Charles III uh, will have to um, uh, learn from the Tree of Life. Number three is always associated with understanding, which is very Saturn. Saturn is the sphere of uh, the third sphere. And he will have to find ways in order to keep the monarchy because it's not going to be as easy for him as it was for her. It wasn't easy for her, obviously, but at least she managed it very well. And... It's interesting that she left when the sun was in Virgo. And Virgo is the ultimate sign of service. You know, Queen Elizabeth I, for example, that she's named after, was a Virgo. It's the sign of service. And so we have Pluto, the Lord of Death, in the first house when she died. Basically, it's the Lord of Death. She has the North Node in Taurus, which is going to be very important when we look at uh, her chart and uh, King Charles' chart. But the most important thing is the fact that she has Saturn on top of the moon, literally a degree away. Is it a degree away? Yeah, Uh, less than even a degree away. And on top of the Vesta, the keeper of the flame, the keeper of the tradition, uh, the the virgin in a sense. And it's again happening during Virgo. So I can't relate to to the hour precisely, so we can't tell precisely where that is happening. Most likely... The, the time is about right, and it will put the Saturn, Moon, and Neptune, and um, a Vista conjunction, which is the biggest thing, I think, in the death chart, right on top of each other. Because if you look then and put it in her own chart, which is April 21, you'll see that what happened, as you can see, you see here, no, you see here, Saturn 20 degrees Aquarius, Moon 21 degrees Aquarius. And if we put it in her chart, you'll see that she has Mars and Jupiter 20 degrees Aquarius, 22 degrees Aquarius. So what happened is that she decided to leave when Saturn up there and Vesta and the Moon were all right on top of her Jupiter and her Mars. Jupiter is basically benevolence, grace. Mars, of course, is the ruler of Scorpio, which is the sign of death. And it was happening in her house of my body, myself. So I'm not saying she didn't suffer while she died, but it should have been relatively uh, easier than normal uh, death because, again, of that Jupiter. Remember in the song um, Aquarius, when the, the when Jupiter aligns with Mars, then peace will be blah, 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 blah. That's precisely what you have here, Jupiter aligning with Mars. And when it's on top of Saturn, you know, the, the, the one that comes with the sickle, right? And it's on top of Vesta, which is the keeper of the flame. She released her from her duty in a sense. So that's kind of uh, beautiful. When you look at her chart, there's a few things that stick out very strongly. First of all, very powerful ability with writing and communication. Her son is literally shining her house of writing, communication, networking. Don't forget her coronation was the first one that actually was broadcast on TV. And I read just yesterday that it it gave the biggest push that TV ever had uh, for people to buy TVs because apparently 
50% of Britain, uh, British people bought their TV because they knew the coronation is going to be um, shown. I think 100 million people in the United States watched it. I mean, that was a big deal back in 53, and that was a, precisely the time the TV, mass media, was kind of getting a push forward. And that makes sense when you look at her chart as somebody who maybe she was against it, but she actually participated in it and actually made it happen. So again, she has the sun in the house of communication, writing, marketing, and even Jupiter, the ruler of mass media, is in her first house. Now, the interesting thing, the most interesting thing about her chart is that she was born a Capricorn rising with Aquarius intercepted. Again, this is very rare. And what it basically means, most of us people have one rising sign, one path that we're walking on, you know, one road that you choose to go to your office every day. And that's your path. That's your rising sign. Some of us have two rising signs because there is something called interception. The rising star sign starts with a certain sign, the ascendant, and then in the middle of that house, there is another whole sign. And then the second house starts already with a th sign that is after. So what it means is that uh, there is one sign intercepted in the first house, which means that you have two rising signs. You're basically walking two roads at the same time, which is kind of weird. That's why people like that are more complicated and more interesting in many ways. So she has Capricorn rising, which is the path of tradition, which totally makes sense. And she has Aquarius intercepted. So if you knock on the door of her first house and you sneak inside, what you see inside is actually a person who is very futuristic, very liberal, very interested in democracy, funny enough. Somebody who is uh, for the people, um, connected to the will of the people, has to do with innovation, technology, thinking outside of the box. And even though for a lot of us, she seems to be very traditional. Yes, that's the Capricorn rising. But she really revolutionized a lot of things very quietly. You know, for example, um, what she did, like we said, with uh, even exposing some of the life of the royalties, which was unheard of before. But she did it in a very Capricornish way. She didn't necessarily give a lot of interviews, but she made the things change behind the scene. And again, her commitment completely to her role and becoming a symbol is very much part of that uh, Capricorn slash Aquarius. Then she has Venus exalted, which is a, a really positive thing, especially in order to be loved, because Venus exalted in Pisces means that people connect to her. Now, I think that part of the reason why they did is because of that Aquarius rising. Aquarius rising gave her the ability to be impersonal. Impersonal, some people might have accused her of not being emotional enough, but that's not the case. It's just that she didn't bring her emotion all over the place, you know, uh, compared to some other people who think that that's the best thing to do. And because she didn't show any kind of specific political view, she didn't necessarily uh, consider herself an activist. She was so much... Um, open in a sense that everybody could see that she's on their side, which is a gift that not a lot of people have. So, you know, it's interesting because I think that people lament her death, not only because of her, but also because of what she symbolizes compared to what's going on today in politics with Boris, all the Boris Johnsons and the Orbans and all the um, Trumps and the Trumps wannabe, all these populists that are trying to be popular, are trying to be loved, are trying to do whatever they can for their base. She was somebody that was above everything and allowed a, an angel point of view, in a sense, somebody from above that tries to put, really try to put together uh, people. So some people will accuse her of not making her opinion known. But in many ways, her opinion was that everybody's one. 
And that's interesting because that's really what the role of the king is. If you think about the archetype of Leo, and she has the moon in Leo, it's all about I will be a symbol for all of you to unite. It's not about me. It's about you guys. Yes, I am the king. I am the royal. I am the queen. I am the Leo. But you're giving me your power in order for me to protect you, to give you a a sign of the oneness, that we all share one thing, even if that one thing is a king you know, or a queen. So that's, I think, part of it. And she could do it very well because, again, even though she has a lot of Aquarius, which is the will of the people, her moon, which is her instinct, was in Leo. And moon is our heritage. Moon is our home. Leo, royalty. It totally makes sense in that sense. And also the moon being in the house of relationship. We all know about her love to Philip and uh, her connection to him, the fact that she chose him really in an early age. That's very much the moon instinct in the house of relationship and partnership. Um, if we look at King Charles III, uh, the situation is a little bit... Ah, before I forget. She is a Taurus. And remember we talked about how the North Node in December last year until July next year moved into Taurus. That means that once in 19 years, all Tauruses are in the spotlights and things move really fast in connection to Taurus. So whatever is happening or needs to happen to Taurus, and also Scorpio, by the way, it's quickened because the eclipses now fall in Taurus and Scorpio. It's every 19 years. And she's a Taurus. So the minute the North Node moved into her um, sign, things moved faster, including her uh, decision to become one with God, right? The same thing is happening to uh, her son. Her eldest son has the moon in Taurus. So look at this. The moon is zero, zero degrees Taurus. What is the moon in the chart? How you perceive your mother. Who is your mother? So his moon is at the top of his chart, Zenith, it's called. Basically, it's the leadership or the whoever is my um, my father figure, in a sense. So funny enough, uh, her chart in her, I mean, Queen Elizabeth II, her son is right on top of his moon. And again, she is, as you can see in her own chart, she is zero, zero degrees Taurus. And look at her son. His moon is zero, zero degrees Taurus. Literally, they create a new moon together. And I don't know if they could plan something like that, but it's kind of eerie. She's zero, zero degrees Taurus. His moon, which is how I perceive my mother, is zero, zero degrees Taurus. It means that he saw her for what she was. And it's on top of the North Node. And the North Node, again, is the the planet of good or the sign of good karma or, or good things that are happening. So even though maybe they didn't have the best relationship overall, it does look like it was meant to be in a sense. And look at his rising sign. His rising sign is Leo. So he's, all his life, he knew that he's going to be next. He didn't know when, but he knew that he's going to be next. She didn't. Capricorn is late blooming. So when she has Capricorn rising, she thought, maybe I'm never going to be uh, having to be a queen. Uh, she, she was basically thrust into it. Uh, you know, it's not even was that obvious that she will ever be that. He, from an early age, knew if the kingdom survives, I'll be the king. You know, maybe it will happen when I'm 90. Maybe it will happen when I'm 40. But... That's the Leo rising. It's the king's road. It's the path of the king. But it's interesting that he's a Scorpio. She's a Taurus. They're opposite sign. And now the eclipses, like I told you, until July next year, once in 19 years, they are in Taurus and Scorpio. The only problem for him being a Scorpio is the south node is in Scorpio. The south node is things that we want to get rid of and not very easy. So it's not going to be an easy thing for him uh, to to become a king. It's going to be taking time or it might be a little bit um, challenging in many ways. That is, again, because of his um, 
because he's a Scorpio, and right now he's going through a nodal return. So if you look at it, she gave birth to him, to her heir, to her firstborn, when the North Node was in Taurus. How do we know? This is the North Node. It looks like a shoe, like a horseshoe. It's in Taurus. When the North Node is in Taurus, the eclipses are in Taurus. So he was born during one of these uh, moments when the North Node was in Taurus. That happens every 19 years, basically. Same thing uh, was happening to her. So it's interesting that she gave birth, again, to her firstborn when the North Node, the dragon, came to her sign. And now the dragon is back to her sign. So the dragon gave her uh, the, the continuing of the line, remember, keeping of the flame, and now it took her away. So every 19 years, you get the North Node in your sign, and that's what happens. So he's getting the South Node in his sign, which is a little bit less um, glorious, you can say. It's a little bit tougher to handle. And Saturn is in his house of death. So it's kind of interesting that once in 30 years, Saturn moves into his house of death, and it's happening in his chart right now. The house of death is the eighth house. And you can see Saturn is right here on the border between the house of relationship and partnership and the house of death and transformation. And that's going to be there for three years, basically. So it's, again, not an easy period for him. What I wanted to put here is the two charts, the chart of uh, Queen Elizabeth's birth and the chart of her death. And if you put them together, here is what I told you. Mars and her Jupiter are right on top of her moon and Saturn. You see that. And another interesting thing is that Mercury is right on top of Jupiter. Mercury, again, is the messenger of the gods, the one that delivers the soul to the other side. And Jupiter is the king of the gods. Facilitation, easier energy, expansion. And that's what happened when she died. Another thing that's interesting is, besides the fact that there is a Barbie doll uh, after her, is that her name. She's named after Queen Elizabeth I, and Elizabeth Elisheva in Hebrew basically means the daughter of seven, or um, God, let's say, Eli is always my God. Sheva could be seven. It also could be a pledge. It could be a, um, a vow that you made to God before you were born. It's a, her case, it's very, very clear. Uh, the vow was, I will wear the crown and I will serve for 70 years. So again, it's called the daughter of seven, Bathsheba, uh, Eli Sheva. And my God is seven. My God is my witness. And it's talking about her being here under the contract or the vow that she made, which is seven, 70 years, seven decades. You know, it could have been seven months. It could be seven days. It could be seven years, or, but she chose 70 years. I don't think 700 years would make sense. So she was true to her name. That's why I told you when a person becomes a symbol, their name also is magnifying that symbol. Uh, and also an interesting anecdote, I found out that the queen bathed every morning in seven inches of water. Uh, the bath had to be exactly the right temperature, tested with a wooden case uh, thermostat, thermometer, and no more than seven inches of water, uh, says Angela Kelly, the queen's former personal assistant. So again, you know, sometimes we get attached to our name, sometimes, especially if you said your highness all the time. Um Another interesting thing, she's a Taurus. Taurus is very much connected to fashion, anything to do with uh, beauty, design, colors, food. She was very particular about food. And it's interesting because I read this thing that if the queen wanted a dinner, uh, if, the, if, the, if the queen was at a dinner and places her handbag, her famous handbag, on the table, her staff knew that she wanted to uh, she wanted the event end in five minutes. 
And if she put the bag on the floor, it signaled that she would like to be rescued from her current conversation. So again, you know, you can start doing it also. And she didn't have to pay any taxes, but she did start a Saturn return ago in 1993, which is, again, just makes you think to compare them to people like Trump that has to pay taxes but refused to pay taxes. And she didn't have to pay taxes, but did so anyway. So you see, I think that one of the reasons why we are lamenting her death is lamenting a period of time where people were decent or at least tried the best they can because we're all human to be decent uh, before lies, before alternative truth, before misinformation and disinformation. I think that that's what uh, died with her in a sense. Uh, it's also interesting that in the coins, if you've been to England, I've been there like three weeks ago, and you pay with cash, if you still do, uh, you would have seen the queen's face looking to the right. Uh, that's kind of interesting because then I looked at the empress tarot card and you see that the empress is looking to the right. Uh, the reason why is because they say that every king or every monarch changes the direction. I don't know why. I mean, maybe it's kind of symbolic to, uh, okay, she used to look to the right and she saw certain things to the right. Now the king needs to look at the left to see how it's going there. Maybe it's the tilt, you know, maybe more right wing, left wing. I don't know. I mean, um, uh, we know from the coins that are signed for King George VI, who was before, he looked to the left, which is precisely the direction in the tarot card of the emperor. He looks to the left. So they expect uh, King Charles III in his coins or whatever is going to be, or stamps, to start looking to the left. And maybe it's it's just, I think, a beautiful concept of how each monarch needs to look at a different aspect of the kingdom to make sure that there's no corruption or that there's no one segment or one part of society that is getting all the shining face of the monarch but it moves back and forth. So uh, regardless of what we have this week, uh, September 16, I just want you to pay a little bit attention because the sun is going to be opposite to Neptune. And that means there could be deception, wrong first impression, illusions, uh, addictions. Uh, but there's going to be something very strong with your intuition, with dreaming, um, a lot of sensitivity in your meditation. It's a great time for any kind of yoga or any kind of uh, activity that has to do with, with mysticism. September 16 also, we have Venus squaring Mars. So definitely September 16 is the uh, belly of the week. Uh, there is a square. A square always causes us to do things we don't want to do, and it has to do with relationship. While Mercury is retrograde in Libra, that's, again, not the easiest thing um, because it could be a lot of very serious misunderstanding. It's not going to be romantic comedy when there is, like, uh, you know, misunderstanding and it's kind of funny. It's not going to be funny. Not with the sun opposite to Neptune and not with Venus um, squaring Mars. So just to pay attention to that and now let's look to see what is going on this week um where is that because mm -hmm. this week we actually have quite a lot of um movement yeah, so this week we're starting with September 11 today um, and we have the moon actually on top of Jupiter, which is really good for home, family. Jupiter is retrograde, so it's getting closer and closer to the moon. So in a few hours, it's going to be pretty strong. Again, moon on top of Jupiter, very good for home, family, real estate, cleaning your home, doing something around home and family. 
Uh, again, we are at the end of the full moon, the harvest full moon. The moon already moved into Aries. And now on Monday, September 12, we have the moon still in Aries, but on top of Chiron. Moon on top of Chiron means that you might meet a woman or a mother figure that is going through some hardship or old wounds that run in your family that needs to be healed could be coming to you. It could be in the form of genetics or epigenetics or something that has to do with emotional uh, insecurities. So that happens once a month that we are kind of uh, forced to look it a little bit deeper into our emotion. The fact that Jupiter is hanging around there is actually pretty good in the archetype of Aries because a lot of the wounds have to do with a sense of identity. Who are you? What do you want in life? How you are? How are you handling your body, your image? What do you use to project your image? How do you see the world? How does the world see you? Those are the things that are activating tomorrow, especially because it's the moon day tomorrow. But we have a beautiful square uh, trine between Mars and Mercury, which is really good because actions are backed by words and words are backed by action. And uh, they're having both of them air energy. So there's a lot of connection to business, marketing, sales, communication. Again, even though Mercury is retrograde, he is in Libra. And that's a good sign for him. He's opposite to Jupiter. So you might be talking too much, uh, saying too much, revealing too much uh, on um, Monday. So just to be a little bit more careful and uh, not to um, expose too many things that you you want to keep quiet. But also Uranus is sending very good energy to the sun, which I need to do anything to do with technology, innovation, uh, brainstorming, very good to get solutions that you never suspected that you will have. But like I told you, Venus and Mars this whole week, peaking in September 16, is a square. It's causing difficulties in partnerships in work and partnerships in life. It's one of the most challenging time for relationships right now. The moon is going to move into Taurus on September 13. So September 13, 14, 15, we're going to have the moon in Taurus, which is exalted, which is always good. Uh, Venus uh, also in Wednesday, not in Tuesday, is going to send a beautiful energy to uh, the moon, which is really good for artistic pursuits. Uh, but again, that Uranus and the sun are still there connected pretty well. They've been like that for the last week, which is good for innovation. Like I told you, thinking outside of the box. And the moon moving into Taurus is always good. Moon is exalted in Taurus. And now we have the north node in Taurus. Remember, that's why we said uh, the queen is a Taurus. And that's where it is. Her, he, the King Charles III, um, Aries is um, Taurus is moon. So there's a lot of moon activity right now. Uranus is in Taurus. The north node is in Taurus. And from May next year, Jupiter is going to enter Taurus. So there's going to be a lot of activities in Taurus, especially in 2023. But uh, for Tuesday, we have the moon moving into Taurus and creating a little bit more success, sending beautiful energy to Venus, like we said, very good for anything to do with art, design, colors, even finance. Then September 14, we have the moon sending beautiful energy, like I said, to Venus, which is amazing. It's great. It's the both uh, these energies are very feminine. Both of them are in earth signs. So anything that could be done connected, connecting you to work, health, diet, routine, anything to do with nature, anything to do with uh, uh, finance. This is a really good time, even though Mercury is retrograde. Still, we have a lot of planets that are helping us. But if you look at all the R's in the chart, Pluto is retrograde, Saturn is retrograde, Vesta is retrograde, Neptune is retrograde, Jupiter is retrograde, Chiron is retrograde, Uranus is retrograde, Mercury is retrograde. There's a lot of retrograde. When there's a lot of retrograde, things don't um, go very well. It's almost as if your body is a little bit stiff and you can't reach the full mobility, but there is more magic. 
there is more coincidences, there's more synchronicities, there's more stories. It's as if it's the dark forest that we can't see very well, but there's all the mythological creatures there. So your imagination is higher. Your ability to tap into past lifetime is higher. Then if we look at September 15, it's a Thursday. The moon is on top of Uranus. It can cause a little bit of craziness, a little bit of unpredictability. So always pay attention to that. The moon on top of Uranus is, again, um, breaking away from parental influence, wanting to break away from home, feeling like I need to get out of here. Whatever is protecting you feels a little bit too tight, as if you can't breathe in a sense. And again, that's because the moon on top of Uranus wants freedom, emotional freedom. And at that time, also Mercury squaring a Minerva. I mean, you have to pay a little bit more attention. September 15, there could be some bad advice given to you. There could be some uh, uh, things that look or sound wise, but they're not really good for you. So just to pay attention to it. At the same time, we have uh, the moon also touching your north node, which means that groups of women can be helpful or you're going to find some women friends. That could be a very positive for you. But again, Uranus, the moon, the sun sending beautiful energy. Overall, there is a feeling of satisfaction happening on Thursday. On Friday, the moon is moving into Gemini and it's going to be... Uh, giving a beautiful energy to Mercury. That means that words are backed with emotion these times or that uh, there is a link between what you feel and what you think. And because Mercury is retrograde, it's actually not too bad because at that day you could explain to your partner what is it that you're feeling or what you're going through or what are your challenges. Uh, because even though it's retrograde and you might not express yourself so well, the moon in Gemini's instinct to communicate and it's very good for business. It's very good for connection, making people, connecting people. That's a really good uh, flow overall. And the sun is getting closer and closer to a beautiful trine to Pluto, which is always good because it means control transformation. It means connecting to your power, to your sense of direction in life. And that's going to be very strong Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday because the sun is going to move closer and closer uh, from Friday until Monday to that perfect trine, to connect perfectly with that uh, with the Pluto. So again, that's something good that's happening towards the weekend. Uh, but Friday, you have the moon in Gemini on top of Mars. There could be a, a little bit too much of uh, impulsive energy or saying, writing, posting certain things that you might later on regret. So just be a little bit careful. And of course, because we are on September 16, we said the square between the moon, uh, Mars and uh, Venus is the strongest. The Nept Neptune, we said, is opposite to the sun, which creates a lot of psychic energy, but also a lot of confusion. Saturday on September 17, the moon is squaring the sun. So Saturday and Sunday, from the moon being trining to the sun, which is satisfaction, the moon is moving into lack of satisfaction. So Saturday, it doesn't matter if somebody tells you the best compliment, you won't be satisfied. Somebody shows you the best project, you will still feel like it's not enough. There's going to be a feeling that over over criticism, over perfectionism. So again, just to be a little bit careful, it's also as if you're holding a camera that has a micro lens and a macro lens and you don't know how to work with that. You're trying to shoot a, a butterfly with uh, the telescope and then you're trying to look at the stars with a microscope. I mean, something's off. So the whole zoom in, zoom out uh, perspectives is a little bit off on Saturday, but it's not a day of work for most of us. So maybe it's... Um, not going to be so dominant, but it could also affect family life because of the moon. And the fact that the moon is uh, still squaring Venus, squaring the sun, not the easiest on Saturday as well as next Sunday. 
Now let's see if there are any questions. Again, uh, I'm going to be in New York, actually, from October 1st to uh, the 8th. So if you want a reading, you can just uh, text me or uh, email me. And also, I'm going to do a book signing in Brooklyn. Uh, inshallah, I'm going to have the book ready by then. It should be. So we have a coffee shop that we found in Brooklyn, and we're going to do a free event there. So if you're in New York and you can spread the word, um, it's an event we're going to talk about 2023, and I'm going to do some book signings there. So if you are around New York or Brooklyn, definitely come visit us. It's going to be on the on Thursday, the 6th at, uh, of October at 7 p.m. Um, and any other announcement? Yes, I'm going to do the class on numerology and the class on time travel meditation. It's going to be also virtual, so you can look uh, at the beginning of the chat uh, you'll see that. And, of course, thank you for the guys who I, I got text from people who are going to come to Omega. We're going to do the 14th to the 16th of October to learn how to read your chart. And it's not like super difficult. You'll be able after the weekend to actually look at the chart and make sense of it. Of course, it's like learning a language. It will take more time. But uh, obviously, it, you will be able to understand astrology much better. And we're going to have a lot of fun exercises there. And Omega, at that period of time, October 14 to 16, is the best time. The foliage is amazing. It's the perfect weather. So definitely hope to see you there. Let's see if there's any questions. Um, the new book is going to be called Astrology of 2023, Traversing the Bridge, the Movement of the People. Uh, because of Pluto moving into Aquarius, it's going to be a lot of movement. Um, if this is recorded, yes, it is recorded, and I'm going to send it to you guys, of course, uh, as a podcast or as a Zoom. Um, uh, let's see if you're here. What? Um, this is between you guys. I don't want to interfere. Uh, can you please speak on the date Monday, 19th of September, as this is a funeral of the Queen? Did you choose this? No, I think it goes in 10 days after the death. So because it was on the 8th, uh, I think that that's why um, they chose it. I did look in 19th of September... 2022 let's say i don't know what time they do funerals these days um if there's something specific about that um it's interesting the moon is in cancer um that's about home and family but i don't think unless there is something specific about the time Mercury is still retrograde and you can't do anything about it. Minerva is sitting on top of the moon, but I think it was more about the protocol than necessarily let's choose the best day uh, and see what happens. Um, we're in Brooklyn. Uh, it's going to be in Williamsburg. It's actually downstairs from where I do the reading, so it's uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, Oh, thank you, Holly, for being in Omega. When will it be in Amazon? Probably during Mercury Retrograde. Uh, this year, I just decided not to wait. We're literally now finishing with the cover, and it should be ready within a, a week or so. Um, you know, I don't know about uh, how long he's going to be king, but the fact that he was that he's coronated during a Mercury Retrograde, because I, I think they actually officially decided to make him a king during Mercury retrograde, not the most auspicious time. 
And also um, the fact that it's the south node in Scorpio, not the best time. You know, think about another Scorpio that is very famous right now is uh, uh, Biden. And think about doesn't matter what he does and how much he achieves, people will still not like him for some reason. And that is, again, the not easy to be ruling or be a leader with the south node being in your sign because it undo you. It undoes you or un it kind of like takes away from your glory. You can't be seen so much. You can't be appreciated so much. So I think it's going to be a hard beginning. Uh, Ukraine, the beginning, do you have a good any good insights? You know, we talked about how in the beginning of the war, we talked about how Saturn is sitting on top of the people of Ukraine because their moon is in Aquarius in the beginning of Aquarius, much stronger this year, and it's going to sit very strong on the Russian uh, moon next year. And I think this the transition is starting to happen. Um, how to read my yeah uh, Jan if you could come to um, Omega we're doing it very very uh, very intensely uh, there we're gonna learn how to read the chart should I start worrying about Trump being president again we should always worry about things like that you know but you know instead of worrying we should just do something a full moons go across two signs. Yes, all full moon go across two signs. If you mean if there is an opposition, yes. So full moon in Scorpio will mean that the moon is in Scorpio and the sun is on um, Taurus. If uh, Passover, for example, is a full moon, the moon was in Libra and the sun is in Aries. So they're always going to be, full moon are always going to be opposite signs. New moon are going to be the same sign. Uh, I mean that the begins in Virgo and then ends up... No, what happened this year is, listen, I mean, officially a full moon is three days. The day before, the day off, and the day after the actual full moon. But to be precise... The full moon is was in the harvest full moon, for example, that we had yesterday was the sun in Virgo, because now we're in Virgo, and the moon opposite in Pisces. What happened a day after, because it was the end of Pisces, the moon moved into Aries. But it's still considered to be full moon, but it's not in Aries, because we actually measure it by the full moon moment. So the full moon moment, it could be like a second. That's the full moon. Okay, there's only two signs. Sometimes, like next year, in April 20th, we're actually going to have a hybrid eclipse in 2023, which is a big deal. And that hybrid eclipse is going to be 00 Taurus, which is kind of funny because it's precisely the date of birth of the queen. So again, that's why I told you that the eclipses are pushing things faster for people like her, and it moved her to the other side, to the afterlife. So that particular full moon, a new moon, the solar eclipse in April 20th, is going to be on the border between Taurus and Aries. So you can say that it has two signs, but most of the time they don't. Um, it's a good time to appeal for uh, lawsuits. It's not a good time to start a lawsuit. Uh, I signed and closed the house on Friday that it was trying to buy for two years. Things went smoothly. Should worry about... No, I don't think anybody should worry about anything. I think that worry is a side effect that is terrible. It makes us not sleep very well. So I don't think worry... Uh, whether you should be attentive, whether you should look into the details, where you should uh, do a lot of inspection to the house just to make sure everything is okay. But remember I told you, sometimes when we try to do something during the during direct, Mercury direct or whatever, when it retrogrades, sometimes it's easier. So 
Again, I don't believe that worry is necessary. Uh, not to be afraid of the sky falling. Things are already in process. Yeah, I think that you just have to um, uh, to manage the retrogrades and to get the best of it because they're not a bad thing. Um, retrograde. A lot of people have retrograde in their chart. I mean, three times a week, three times three weeks. It's like almost nine months. A, a three month a year. It's almost uh, what a fourth. A fourth of humanity will have Mercury retrograde in their chart. So it's not a big deal. Well, the light went off. So that's a symbol that um, uh, we have to back off. So thank you very much for uh, being with us. Um, talking about uh, the queen. The queen is dead. Long live the king. And um, I hope you have a beautiful week and that everything goes super well. And I will see you next week with the help of the good Lord. And uh, we'll talk more about Rosh Hashanah, some of the... Uh, um, interesting customs, and we'll look at the chart of humanity uh, based on the fact that, mythologically speaking, we are all a new moon in Libra, kids.